0: My name is Augustine Colebrook. I'm the principal at Midwifery Wisdom Collective. My focus is on big picture political movements that are happening within the profession, some of the controversial questions, and centering voices that are not being regularly heard.
1: I'm Layla Wyatt. I am a traveling student midwife, learning midwifery from cultures and a lineage of midwifery throughout the United States. I'm here to center the voices of students to hear their calling, their pathway, why they chose midwifery, and even share a bunch of birth stories along the way. Greetings, I'm Jamara Amani. I am a midwife, a mom, and a social justice activist. I am here to challenge white supremacy, homophobia, transphobia, and anything that keeps people from being their best and living their best selves, as we have the human right to do. And I... I'm looking forward to sharing stories of birth justice on this
0: podcast. Hi, there, My name is Delmar Valentine. I am a non binary, queer, transgender, and midwife and police practice My focus is on increasing access and equity in midwifery care and midwifery education. Hello,
1: my name is Angie Love. I am a community nurse midwife in Vero Beach, Florida at the Practice of Midwife Love. I also do telehealth midwifery through Midwife Rx. I'm a mama and I am committed to maintaining birth choices for all people and educating a future generation of midwives because we will not die out. For the listeners, tell us your name, where you are, and why midwifery. Okay,
0: hey, well, my name is Michelle New. I'm in Colorado right now. Uh, most of my training came when I lived in Alaska, but I've been in Colorado for a few years now, and I bounce around um, between Utah and Colorado right now to finish up um, the last bit of my training. And you asked me why midwifery. Yeah, Yikes.
1: The, the golden <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah,
0: and you know, I I could come up with a a bunch of different answers really but fundamentally it was my own births when it comes you know when it comes down to it both of them opened my eyes to things in a new way and my second child um, I just I needed to understand Mm -hmm. what happened and so I started just searching and trying to find answers and the more I learned the more I wanted to know And it just kept building and building and, um, you know, it leads you to doula work and it leads you, before you know it, you're signed up for a school and you're doing the thing. And then it was a question of, do I have the moxie to do this work? You know, do I have the stomach to do this stuff? And once I started getting into it, I realized, yeah, it's scary stuff, but I'm wired for this. I can do it
1: definitely. So how did you, what school are you attending and how did you make that decision to choose that school?
0: I chose MCU midwives college of Utah. It's, um, my first choice when I was researching them was Bastier. I really thought the program was really, um, great. And I, it may show me that I want to go somewhere else with my education, you know, um, But Bastyr was financially out of my reach, and uh, the idea of traveling to Seattle consistently um, was just out of, it wasn't realistic for me. Um, And so I chose MCU because they do have the remote options, and um, financially it made sense, and it still looked like a really solid program when I enrolled long ago. I was
1: just going to say, so how, where are you in your phases of midwifery? How much longer do you have left and how long have you been doing it? How long have you been in? Yeah.
0: So I I'd have to double check. I was just talking with somebody about this cause I get the years mixed up, but I want to say 2013 is when I enrolled. So I'm coming up on eight years of being with MCU, um, and I'm at the very last bit. What I, I'm down to seven births is what I need to finish initial exams. I have a few initial mm-hmm. appointments to get still. Those have been hard to get. Um, so I'm very close. I've been done with didactic work for two years. So it's a little frustrating at this point to not be finished. Um, but you just keep moving forward one step at a time.
1: So some of what I definitely want to talk about is something like the nitty gritty that some students are going to run into. And I know that for the most part, um, no matter which school you attend, whether it's National College of Midwifery or NMI or MCU or Najoni, like everyone's kind of like, it takes three to seven years, right? So what do you think was what you felt like extended that timeframe for you?
0: Sure. Yeah. I'm not your typical student. by any means, but <laughs> So part of what I think made it so long for me is the not knowing whether or not I was wired for this work, whether or not I could actually be on call, you know, 24 seven, live that on-call life and whether or not my family would thrive with me doing this work. And so before I even enlisted or enrolled with MCU, I was already in an apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm working at a busy birth center, trying to figure out if it's a good fit. And so I started before my classes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not typical. <laughs> Usually you start and you do about a year mm-hmm. of education, you get your foundation under you, and then you begin seeing human beings, you know? Um, but that's not how I did it. So, um, so what ended up happening is I was really committed to the work the real life, real human beings. And then when I was enrolled in the school, the schoolwork took a back seat to the work work. Mm. And the birth center was very busy um, and there wasn't a lot of help. You know, it was a short, small staff, very busy and they needed me and it felt good to be needed. So I put a lot of energy into the work and a lot of energy into my family and there wasn't a lot left for studies. Um, and so I was constantly kind of chasing that. I couldn't quite get ahead of it. I was, no matter how good I was at planning early on in the semester, something would trip me up and I was just, yeah, it was hard to stay on top of it. So what ended up happening is MCU has this beautiful option that you can extend your classes. So at the end of the semester, you've got a few more papers to do and you just don't have the time frame. Let's extend it for another semester but you're also opening new classes for that semester. So you've got the old classes extending into the new semester and you're opening up these new classes that hit the floor running. It's a bad scenario, right? So I did that a couple of times and yeah. I'm just so, now I'm just constantly catching up, catching up and, and feeling really defeated. It's not very, even though you submit maybe five assignments that day, you're still so far behind that you don't get that good feeling of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was just this really bad cycle that I had gotten into. And, um, and eventually what it, I had to stop the work so that I could fully catch up on the schoolwork. It was just, there was no way to get on top of it. And, and so I did that, I, I, was, I needed to pause, it was a good time. Um, so I took about a year off to just get on top of those studies um, and to be in a really good solid place. I had some um, family emergencies that happened during my, my um, time with MCU to where I had to take a break with them. They have another option where you can pause. You know, you don't get any, you don't open any more classes. You can work on the ones that are extended, but it's a break. You take a break. And I needed that. I had a child hospitalized for over a year, so it was big. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was a whole year of delay there. um, But I was still working on my coursework during that time. And uh, then we had some moves in there. So then I'm finding Yeah, I'm like Hawaii. I'm I'm thinking Alaska,
1: Utah, Colorado.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So the Alaska, I was there for the majority of the time um, and did most of my training up there. And then when I moved to Colorado, I had a midwife here. I was going to have a home birth practice and just kind of slide into something slow. I thought, how mm-hmm. fun, that's perfect. And it lasted for a year. And then she decided to go back to college and she will she is pursuing her DNP, I think mm-hmm. her doctorate of nursing. So then I didn't have a preceptor and I'm mm-hmm. in the state of Colorado and it is not an easy place for a student like myself. So I, I searched and I searched and I didn't get anywhere. And then I went back to Alaska multiple times because those they know me. They've known me from the beginning. I've got repeat clients up there. Um, and I have a lot of friends and that can support me with my family or give me a place to sleep, things like that. It makes it financially, makes more sense for me to go there. And then, um, so I just help out when they were really busy. And then I'd come on home hmm. and have some time off. And
1: uh, do all your coursework during that time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, this is all after, I guess, basically. When I, okay. the midwife in Colorado, I was finishing up my studies with when she stopped. Got it. So basically, the clinic work stopped, the school work was finished. And it's like, what do you do now? You still need 25 primary under supervision births. Where do mm. you go? And how do you get all of these continuities when you have no preceptor? So I've been traveling and I just do all the prenatals, all of them in the hopes Mm. that the continuities will line up down the road and you just don't know. And one of them did so far. There you
1: go. (laughs) So,
0: um, yeah, so that's why I'm traveling to these other locations. They're busy birth center with midwives that I trust and that are wanting to teach. What are
1: you in Colorado now?
0: today I am <laughs> today. You are oh my
1: gosh, what do you feel? You made a comment about like, Colorado is hard for a student midwife like me. Yeah. Is it the political landscape of birth in Colorado? Or is it like that you are more advanced in a sense and that like, they're just looking for someone that they can like train from the ground up, you know, yeah. I've, I've heard both ways.
0: So for me, what the challenge is, um, were more of, I live in a very remote location, number one. So I'm not in the Colorado Springs area. I'm not in the Denver community area, you know, those higher populations, they've got more midwives available to meet and work with. Where I'm at there, we have two midwives and they're divided by mountain ranges. You know, we, they're not around and their practices are very slow, the ones that do exist. Um, so part of it was even finding CPMs that can precept was difficult for me. And then finding one close enough that it makes financial sense, um, that was impossible. And so now I, I go, I travel about three hours to come down to Grand Junction, which is, again, a big year, bigger area, and there's more midwives. So um, the other challenge is that there aren't birth centers for us to work in. We're not allowed to work in birth centers. So
1: is it against can, the political, like, is it against the law for birth centers in Colorado?
0: No, what it is, is that I think the birth centers, there are a couple that will have CPM students come in, um, but they also have the nurse midwives coming in too. So they'll, you know, they there's, I think there's one, there's only three birth centers that I'm aware of in all of the state of Colorado. Got it. And I think one of them has been taking CPM students for sure, but it's, you know, one, until she's finished, kind of a right. situation. Right, she stays the
1: entire two yeah. and a half
0: years. Yeah, you know, you've got to get lucky. Um, so I think it's more of that. The, it's not so much of the, the senior status. I, okay. I haven't run into any issues with that. Okay,
1: where do you where do you plan staying in Colorado and opening a practice there, or Ohio? I'm sorry, Utah or um, Alaska.
0: I'm not sure, to be honest, where I'm going to go from here. Um, it's going to depend on the next year on these relationships that I'm building with these other Colorado midwives who are mm-hmm. seasoned, you know, and whether or not I can build a partnership or to know that they've got my back, that I'm not attending births all by myself with, you know, I've got to build a team and I don't know if that exists in my little community if they even exist. So if they do, then I'd love to have a practice there. And the dream is to have um, to have a birth center in Colorado where a bunch of my family members live. That would be great. But I don't know if um, legally, if things are going to change, if the regulations will open up and allow us to own, and well, we can own them, but we can't work in them. Um, so hopefully that legislation will change and I'll be able to have a birth center in Colorado and a training program and build up all kinds of midwives, you know, that's the goal. And if
1: not, like, will you stay in Colorado as a home birth practice or move to maybe a, a place where you can live more of that dream?
0: Yeah. So if the legislation doesn't change, then yes, it would be, the idea would be still a home birth practice, but I'd need to find the team.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Without a team, it's not, I, I'm i not in a place where I can just go into a birth all by myself and believe that that's good quality care. Mm. You know, maybe in 20 years, <laughs> um, then I, I might feel a little bit different, but I don't know if I will. You know, I've seen enough to know that I need at least four skilled hands on deck, if not more, you know? Um, so it's a, just a matter of, can I build that community? Can I build that team? And if not, then the idea is either to support other midwives who are tired, who have been out here doing this thing all by themselves in the mountains, and they just need a week off of phone calls. Right. (laughs) They need, or their assist has to go do this thing. So can you show up for me, you know, and just continue to help give them a little bit of fresh air so they can keep doing what they're doing um, until something shows up.
1: Do Um, most midwives in Colorado attend births? like as a double midwife team, or are you saying just like finding the right team as in like a good student or a good assistant or a good midwife to work with?
0: Yeah, my ideal would be another midwife trained. I, you know, licensed or not is one, but a a quality Mm -hmm. trained midwife that can, um, I can bounce my judgment calls off of somebody who knows what they're seeing. Um, So it's more than just hand me this, be like, that's extra. I would love to. (laughs) Yeah. So in Alaska, a lot of times I saw one or two people out of birth. And so I had a lot of, yeah, things go really well a lot Mm -hmm. of times. But it's still a lot of work on a very tired midwife, you know, when it's all been done. Um, I want help cleaning up and getting out of there, if nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So choosing a preceptor for the past eight years, um, a lot of it sounds geographical, right? Mm -hmm. Like, are you within range? Is it legal based on the fact of the birth center requirements there in Colorado, but what were some other, um, boundaries or standards that you set for when you were looking for a preceptor for yourself?
0: Yeah, and so that I, I figured out as I navigated it. I had to learn it on the fly. So initially, um, finding a good preceptor. So it's it's making time to meet them ahead of time, go for a walk in a park, go chat with them, um, get some coffee, get to know them as a person. Um, because I, I have had some really... Um, devastating, I guess. Not really. I don't know what the right description is. Um, Mm. Very unhealthy, very unhealthy preceptors um, in the past. And then I've had some amazing preceptors as well. So it's it's finding the right personality to click with. Also that they're going to follow through with the paperwork that is like so, so important is to bring it to them and have them sign it. And if they refuse, then move on, find another one. If it doesn't, If you can't log it,
1: I feel like this is a silly question, but I feel like the many students ask this all the time, like, well, why wouldn't they sign it? Like if you were there and if you did the skill, like tell me more about why they wouldn't sign it.
0: So sometimes it's a matter of, um, like once you've got these skills, then you become competition. You know, if you're, if you're actually moving forward with your degree, you're going to be licensed and then you're automatically competition for my area. Mm. And so there's ways they want to delay the, you're working for free most of the time, or you're paying them, um, to give you this experience. So if they can drag it out and get that extra, you know, it's, it's using you, they're using you, um, and they exist. I I've seen less and less of it. Um, in the last eight years, but when I first started, that was the story, over and over, with students at my school, in all sorts of states, all different types of scenarios, and um, recognizing the abuse and the uh, the manipulation that happens as an unpaid employee, that's working twenty four seven, sometimes for years at a time, um, and so, you know, look for red flags, things like that. Um, talk to other students that they've trained are you their very first because if you're the very first then be ready for trial and error as you navigate your relationship with that preceptor it's gonna be really good sometimes and it's gonna be really clunky and not good sometimes um yeah so So it's not signing away
1: have you had to walk away from an apprenticeship
0: i did um but at that time, I wasn't as strong as I am today. And I didn't have the same self-esteem, I don't think, as I did at that time. So it was more of things just worked out to where it was a mutual break. And I don't think I had the voice at that point. Midwifery has has forced me to find my voice, which is beautiful. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. But it was it was hard and painful. It was a process. And so I didn't have the courage to just say, no, this is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. You know, and I'm out. I just waited until things made it easy to get out. If that makes yeah. sense. And try yeah. to get everything I could signed off and I mm-hmm. didn't want to lose. Yeah. And I didn't want to lose a reference, you know, mm.
1: what were some qualities in the, like the best preceptors that you've had that you can really kind of pinpoint?
0: Um, things that I love, (laughs) good communication. Let me know what, you know, when you want me to show up, where and what to bring, you know, um, I love that. I love, um, midwives who make time to debrief after Mm. birth. whether if they can't do it that day, then they schedule with me, you know, let's after the 24 hour, 48 hour visit, let's make, you know, let's take 30 minutes so we can talk this through people that understand that students need that and they're willing to make space for it is huge. Um, I like preceptors that will hand you a notebook at the beginning you know, of your work with them and write down everything you wanna know, you know, anything that comes up in that mind of yours, write it down and we will talk it over during lunch or um, you know, and ones that have their own boundaries really clear that's been, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, These midwives that understand the intimacy of the work, but still protect their own privacy and protect their own time. Um, I think that's really great.
1: I don't think that's a quality that many midwives have the ability to communicate how to have self-care and how to have boundaries and uh, take care of yourself and be healthy. That's, that's really hard to find. So yeah. for someone that can positively reinforce that, I can definitely see why that would be a good quality in your preceptor.
0: Yeah, they're fantastic. And then the other thing is somebody who can teach, you know, that that's a big part of it. <laughs> because usually you can watch and you can learn, but if, if there are good teachers out there, they exist. <laughs> and then there's other midwives that are great midwives, but they, They don't really, they can't explain what they're doing, but they'll show you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so to have a midwife that can actually do both, that can talk Mm -hmm. you through it, explain why they're doing it and have the extra capacity to do that as well as managing their whole business, you know, it's asking a lot, Mm -hmm. (laughs) setting a pretty high bar, but they exist. I've met many of them.
1: I was going to say, how many preceptors have you had?
0: I was just talking about that too, and I think the last count I did was sixteen or something. But I'm I'm pretty sure the number's gone up since then because the practices have more than you know they have many midwives in them, mm-hmm. so get to work. So yeah, I mean, really. What I feel that. that four, yeah, what you know? I feel
1: like that can give you though is this chance to work with these midwives and say, Oh yeah, no, that's not a quality. I want to continue to carry on in my practice or mm-hmm. wow. Yes. That right there, the way she was able to talk, shared decision-making during that retained placenta, right? Like I, that is how I really want to make sure I pull that away. Um, that you don't get when you've only worked with two preceptors. So there's right.
0: a, there's a little silver lining on your
1: experience.
0: Yeah. I've always looked at it as a blessing as, as a real gift to be able to watch so many of these midwives do their craft, Yeah, you know, and glean I've gotten to glean.
1: Yeah. So I'd love to hear a birth story for our listeners a birth story that maybe over the past eight years has stood out to you as the most, um, quintessential. I mean, they're all empowering and they're all beautiful and they're all different in their own way. But maybe a birth story that sat, that stood out as you're like, I really I shifted after this day, or I learned the biggest thing I think of my career.
0: We, like you said, each one teaches you so much. When I read that question from you, I thought, how do you choose one? How is that possible? Um, but there was one recently in the past year, um, and this particular, to make it short, basically, this is a, a mole tip. She's had a, a couple babies before. I think this is her third birth. It was a water birth um, in the home setting. And her baby, um, she had a, a really mild case of um, previa, actually. Mm-hmm. And so, um, We had, so there was some bleeding. The baby was born. The baby wasn't very responsive. Um, And we were trying to resuscitate this baby in the birth pool on the mom, trying to make do, it was a short cord, part of the, was another element of surprise. Um, And I'm trying to, I'm doing, I'm on breaths. And this baby was smaller than a typical one. In Alaska, they grow them big. Our average babies <laughs> are eight pound babies. That's what we're really used to seeing is, you know, eight or nine is pretty typical. Seven is, oh, it's a good size. And six is pretty tiny. And I think this one was right around six pounds, maybe six, four. And for some reason, that mouthpiece was too big. Okay. And it was a standard newborn and there were no smaller masks in our kit we don't deliver preemies and this anatomy was just she was petite very petite so the mask didn't fit and she she had blood she had water she had vernix she was slippery all of these years every two years for the last eight years I've done my training on rubber dolls with rubber masks
1: you're like, can you put some oil on this baby?
0: That is what I do now. Like, let's get some Vaseline in here. Let's get some oil on this because it does not work like that. The, the suction is so easy on a doll. And this human being that I was trying to get breaths into, it was eye-opening. I learned a lot. I will always have several different sizes, you know, three sizes of those little masks. And um, and I'm going to practice on my renewal when I'm refreshing with slimy stuff on those dolls, if I, you know, if it's my doll, because it's all on how you hold it. It's that anchoring, you know, is what I, I learned from that. Um, and then on the other beautiful side of that was that it works. The things we train and we do, it's the best we can show up with in those scenarios. And more often than not, they will work. And if they didn't, then like nothing probably would have worked you know right. um and so there was a lot so I gleaned number one the equipment needs to be right in the bag and number two they are slippery little boogers numbers <laughs> I need to work on that anchoring hole yeah. I need to get better at that and all different all different ways like you're not going to have an the NRP bag. bag yeah you're not going to always badge.
1: have the little gorgeous I cradle
0: I might be you know, at her head, I might be on her side. I might, you know, so practicing that hold all different, um, I don't know, angles Mm -hmm. from the baby. Um, and then, and then the assurance that, yes, these, these things were taught these things because they are the best that we know right now. Um, and then there's, there's a confidence that can come from that. And, um, there was one other beautiful thing that I gleaned, and I just lost it. It just left my mind. Um, I don't know. I think those those were the most important ones, anyway. Just that it 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 does. They are efficient. Um, yeah, I can't remember that last one. Sorry.
1: Do you you brought up early like, um, preeclampsia? Do you feel like that had something to do with like growth or do you just feel like there was a piece to that based on, um, oxygen deprivation and shorter transition, which is why the resuscitation was necessary. I was just wondering, you know, if you felt like that was an important piece.
0: Not preeclampsia. It was previa. Like, so the, yeah. Yeah. So the placenta was in front of the head just a little bit. Just barely, but enough to, to release. Um, I, that's my assumption. Like we had to try to figure out what we were seeing and, um, and yeah, the placenta was in the way but baby. She was a way maker and passed her way through it. But then I believe the placenta was delivered with her
1: because of the short. Makes sense. So it was,
0: it was a really interesting. Um, yeah. And it was my first case of anything quite like that with the placenta <laughs> being in the way.
1: Do you know if she decided to like decline ultrasounds to see if that placenta, or was it just, just enough outside of the OS to make it okay? Or.
0: Yeah. So the challenge to these scenarios is that I'm going to a place remote and I'm meeting these women once, maybe twice. And then I'm seeing the church and I'm, up there for maybe I think this one had 11 due that month Mm -hmm. so I don't I remember that there was um she wasn't completely opposed to medical intervention things but she wasn't keen on them either and I um I don't think she had ultrasounds on file but I'd have to go back and look again I'm it's been a while yeah that's interesting yeah I know it was unexpected completely by the midwife. And so if she had ultrasounds that referred to it whatsoever, there would have been follow-ups. So uh, my assumption is that there was no ultrasound.
1: And now that you've made these awesome adjustments to your, your future plan as a midwife to carry different sizes and prepare yourself differently. Have you had a resuscitation since then where you were like, Oh yeah, you know, this baby is slippery and I know. And,
0: No, knock on wood. I don't have any wood. Um, (laughs) I'm knocking. I'm knocking. (laughs) Oh, thank you. No, uh, no, I haven't had to. um, I haven't had to do the work since then, other than, you know, recertifying (laughs) more, more rubber on rubber, but no, but I'll be ready. I'll be ready. So
1: if you could offer advice to either someone thinking about becoming a midwife or, a new student or someone in the same exact spot as you, what would you tell them?
0: I would tell them that midwifery will teach them things about themselves that they had no idea was going to come their way. Um, You're going to grow and that's not always comfortable. Um, And... That you need a support system if you're going to do this so work really hard to figure out who your people are right off the bat do not do eight years without a support system without a sisterhood or brother whatever a peoplehood mm-hmm. around you that get what you're doing maybe you know it might be that you're hiring <laughs> a therapist or whatever you might have to pay for these people but set it up um, because it's really demanding hard work But it's also, um, it's birth, man. It's how each of us got here, right? It's, and, um, and we need more midwives. We need good midwives. We need them out in Colorado. (laughs) So I would. (laughs) You hear that everybody? Colorado. (laughs) Come on, y'all, come on. Um, Now the first, the, the first midwife I spoke to, she tried to talk me out of it. She said, you're in, don't do it, Michelle. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Don't do it. You know, and I'll never forget that. Um, She was so tired. She was just so tired. Um, So I'm, I'm on the other side. I'm saying, like, give it a year. If you're a brand new student, you've never done this. Start your classes. Don't start your apprenticeship. Get into your studies. Give it a year if it, if the passion isn't bigger after that first year, then you might be wired for something else. Like the only reason I'm still doing this is because I can't imagine doing anything else. And I feel so protective of these families and the option to be out of hospital that I'm going to keep doing this till I'm really gray. I imagine, you know um, I can't not do this Mm-hmm. in some capacity. So if there's anything else in the world that they'd like to do, <laughs> I'd say go try that first. Um because babies are always going to need to be bored, you know, the work yeah. is always going to be there. Yeah. And then just to have an open mind that you're you're <laughs> it might not be 3 years. You know, it might be 8, it might be 10, it might be 4. You don't know how long it's going to be, so just take it in stride, you know.
1: Michelle and like we can redact this if you don't want it to, but Michelle with midwifery college of Utah's structure, the longer you stay, the more you pay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, so it's
0: true. Yeah. Cause I probably ended up paying as much my as extension. last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, yeah, once you've, I've made the max amount of time you can for the degree, then I went a year past that and that's up in May. Mm-hmm. And I think I'll have two oh, yeah. or two, I need two more births outside of May to finish. So no, you do want to get done quick, but at the same time, like I said, this work is different. If you want it straightforward, you know, from day one, when you're going to graduate and when you're going to be finished, then you need to be a nurse midwife. Then that is the way to do it. Go in, do it, be done. Um, but the CPM route, it's not that, it's not that simple.
1: It needs to be that meme from the notebook.
0: It's not that simple. It's not that simple. <laughs> yeah,
1: <tough>. exactly. <laughs> um, how can people find you? Are you on the Insta, the Facebook? Do you have a PayPal and a Venmo where people can donate towards your journey?
0: No, I'm so, no, I I'm on Facebook as Michelle knew I'm doula Michelle New on Facebook. Uh, you know, but I'm not super active on there. Um If you do find me on Facebook on Doula Michelle New, you can send me a bit of encouragement to keep going as I need it more than anything else right this minute. Um, I'm so tired and I just want to be done. And uh, so I would love some encouragement.
1: Yes, I am so proud of you. (laughs) I I am starting my first year at MCU.
0: Oh, girl. Congratulations.
1: So listening to you, I'm like, (laughs) no, I've been in birth work for years. I've attended hundreds of births as a doula, but like, yeah. So I, I send you all of the love and my, uh, my beginning journey as your circle ends. I'm so honored that you spent this evening with me and I promise I may move to Colorado. And it's
0: a fun place we to play. catch babies together.
1: <laughs> we can have a really good practice as a co-midwife. It's okay. I think, I think, I really do think you are going to be okay.
0: I know I will be. I, I trust. Yeah. Yes. Thank you
1: so much for joining me tonight.
0: Yes. Thanks for your time and, and good luck. Thank good you. luck, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.